doesn't want to retire early, like maybe as young as your 30s? I mean, wouldn't it be amazeballs if you can sit Mai Tais on the beach knowing you have enough money to sustain you for the rest of your life? People who do this retire early thing, also referred to as people part of the FIRE movement, work almost obsessively at accumulating mass amounts of wealth. Sure, it's an awesome feat to be able to do this, but it can come at a price. And so I started getting into all of these side hustles and I am not meant to do side hustles. Like it's just, it's not a thing that I'm good at. So I started doing real estate. I bought a property to house hack. So I lived in one unit and rented out the others. So I became a landlord. And then I also was running a podcast with my friend Jay. And we were very consistent in producing two episodes a week, which is a ton of episodes. And basically just my life outside work was getting really stressful. And so I said, you know what? Like, I can't handle all of this. Gwen here is describing the time when she got caught up trying to do what many people do in the FIRE community, which is to hoard as much cash as possible. Sadly, this came at the cost of her mental health, which forced her to take a step back and really reassess her life. All this to say, it's not for everyone. But what happened to Gwen? And does she regret going hard and fast into this whole retire early thing? Welcome to Beyond the Dollar with me, Sarah Lee Kane, where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects your well-being. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic is taboo. My guest is Gwen Mertz, blogger at Fiery Millennials. We chat about why she was interested in retiring early in the first place, how it affected her sanity when she saved up to, get this, 70% of her take-home pay, and some of the hard lessons she's learned. We also go into whether or not she regrets what she did and if she would recommend someone do the same things she did. Make sure to stick around to the end where I'm going to show you how you can still feel like you're retired without going so intense on your savings or earning goals. Before we get started, I do have a small ask. If you get a lot of value out of these episodes, one way to support it is to sign up for a free trial of Audible. Seriously, it doesn't cost you anything. When you sign up, you get a free 30-day trial, which includes two audiobooks for free. I get a little kickback in return, which will help to fund the show. So to nab your free trial, go to beyondthedollar.co slash audible. And to find resources shared in this episode, head over to beyondthedollar.co or click on the link in your podcast app. Now get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. Gwen, I'm so excited to have you on. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar. Thanks, Sarah, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Excellent. So before we get started, because some of my listeners may not know the definition of FIRE, can you just give us a quick rundown of what that is? Yeah, FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And so what would you say is the standard or common or conventional way that people basically achieve FIRE? Like, What do the numbers look like? Why do they want to do it? Yeah. So what FIRE looks like on a very basic level is saving up a lot of money, 25 times your annual expenses, and retiring from a world where they have to work in order to do whatever they want instead, whether that's spend more time with family or maybe start that dream business that they wanted to do, or even just spend more time in nature. Okay. So the idea then is basically to try to save up as much as possible in a short amount of time. And then hopefully that 
those savings will be in a, like an investment vehicle and somehow the interest that you earn or the whatever will last you for the rest of your life. Is that the idea? Well, how fast you do it depends on what you want to do and your motivation and ability to save money quickly. But in general, yeah. So you want to save up enough money that you can live off of what's called the 4% rule, which is taking 4% out of your investments or your assets is enough to, to live on. And you should have like, I forget what percentage is like high 90s percent chance of success. And you have the highest chance of success of making it into your golden years with plenty of money left over. Mm, okay. Yeah. Because I think both you and I have been in the FIRE crowd, FIRE movement, I guess you could say for a little while. And I know that most people that are doing this are trying to save up quite a huge chunk of their paychecks. Like at one point, I guess, how much of a percentage of your paycheck were you putting towards your investments? I think the most that I was saving at one point was about 75 to 80% of my paycheck, which looking back now just seems ridiculous. Like that's just so much money. But I was part of the financial independence community online and I was surrounded by people who were saving, you know, 70 to 80% of their paycheck, but their paychecks were twice as big as mine. And so it was always like, you know, a scramble to keep up with other people, right? Not even looking back and yeah. looking down on people who are like, well, I can only save 20% and my 20% is like half of your, you know, 40%, you know? So it's always interesting to look around and see what other people are doing and kind of I think it's key to, to look around outside the financial independence community as well, too, because it's definitely a bubble. Right. I think it's almost like a keeping up with the Joneses, like, oh, how frugal are you? Or how much can you save? Like you were saying, I think, I know I got caught up in that where I save about half my income at one point And I was like, I'm not doing enough, but I'm doing pretty well financially. It's like that balance between stocking away money for the future and trying to live your best life now. Tell us a little bit about the mental health challenges. Have you encountered any of that while you were stocking away so much money? Like, How have you found that balance between living for now and saving for later? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. My mental health has been on quite the journey in the last couple of years. So I found the financial independence community early when I was still in college. And so there wasn't a whole lot I could do, but it did stop me from making a lot of poor decisions while in college that would, you know, future, that would cause a problem in the future. So I got out of college and I started saving all this money. And, you know, I was pretty happy. At that point, I was probably saving like 50 to 60%. And I feel like that was a pretty good level for me. And then I started my blog. And then I got more entrenched in the community and really got caught up in what everybody else was doing. And it was like, oh, well, if person A can do activity X, then I can do it you know, I can do it too. Look at look at how successful they are. And so I started getting into all of these side hustles. And I I am not meant to do side hustles. Like it's just, it's not a thing that I'm good at. So I started doing real estate. I bought a property to house hack. So I lived in one unit and rented out the others. So I became a landlord. And then I also was running a podcast with my friend Jay. And we were very consistent in producing two episodes a week, which is a ton of episodes. And basically just my life outside work was getting really stressful. And so I said, you know what? Like, I can't handle all of this, but I've got all these things, pies in the fire that maybe I can make it without having to work. And at that time, I was dating a guy who lived six hours away from me. And so it all came together very neatly. I said, you know, I'll just move in with him and I'll, I'll leave my job. 
and I won't look for another job. I'll, I'll try and make it as an entrepreneur on my own. And I was unable to do so. I'm, I'm just not, not meant to work for myself. I'm meant to work for other people. And so the next nine months were just a kind of descent into misery for me. As I was stressed out about trying to make money, I wasn't saving as much money anymore. And what does a financial independence writer talk about if they're not saving tons of money? You know, if they're not moving money around and talking about all the, all the money that they have. And instead, you're a financial independence blogger who doesn't have any money. And that was just a, a very big dichotomy for my sense of self and who I was and my self-worth. And so combined with the, the relationship not working out and me having to go back to work, like the end of 2018 was just not a great time for me mentally at all. I was, I was pretty depressed, actually. Well, Gwen, I, I really appreciate you sharing that very honest account. I think that doesn't get shared very often. I can only imagine, let alone all the life stuff that happens, but the, even the anxiety of trying to stash away so much money for this supposed future. I mean, what's your outlook now? Like, do you still want to go crazy saving, you know, 70% of your income? No. So, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that anymore. What I've kind of figured out is that I don't really want to retire at age 35 anymore like I originally wanted to. I like working for other people and I'm okay with doing the standard, you know, corporate life for a while longer as long as I find a company worth working for. So, yeah, I've definitely slowed down a lot. Before I was maxing out my 401k and my HSA and my Roth IRA and trying to save extra on the side and hustle all the time. And now I'm just putting the match into my 401k and just kind of enjoying life more. I figured out that something that's really important to my mental health is to live in a space that I enjoy being in and I can spread out and have stuff and use my stuff. And so I also didn't want to live in the Midwest anymore. So I moved to Washington, D.C., which is notoriously high cost. And to have an apartment that helps me mentally cost quite a bit of money. And so I'm spending over half of my take-home pay on just a place to live, which means that there's not much left over to save for retirement. But for me, it's okay because I have already saved up so much money that that money is now doing its compounding magic and kind of helping carry my current self along to the future. That's awesome. I, I love that. Like, I guess the lesson there really is it's okay sometimes to step back and there's sometimes it's okay to just really hit hard on the pedal in terms of savings because there are going to be ebbs and flows. And I, I appreciate you sharing the the housing cost. I think personally, I'm just going to say quickly, I got caught up in the whole house hacking thing as well. And my husband and I were really going back and forth on that. And we eventually settled on not doing that because it would have put much more mental bandwidth on what we were already doing. Like we have a young son, we're both juggling careers, we're trying to just get settled into this new city that we've been living for a couple of years. And so we decided that our income was more than enough to cover mortgages and then some. And so not having to worry about tenants and all of that really helps. And I think sometimes more money is great, but at what cost? Right. Is it worth it to have that much more money? Yeah. And I think it's it's fine to spend more. I mean, you've been you're very clear on like, I want more space. I want to do my hobbies and all of these things. And like, what's wrong with that? Like, if you're chasing fire, not a bad goal, but if you're chasing fire to be able to do those things in a future date, why not try to incorporate some of that now? 
Right. Like we only get one life to live and there's no point in retiring early. If you are miserable and stressed out and your health is a wreck because of all of the misery and stress, like it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is just learning about fire, whether it's this episode or they've read an article and they're now feeling overwhelmed or they're really interested in kind of going, lack of a better term, crazy on their savings? Well, like what would you suggest to them if, if they're literally just getting started? I think that they should go crazy. I think they should do it. And I think that they should try and save as much as they possibly can and figure out where their limits are. And then when it becomes too much, step back into a level that you're comfortable with. Because you always have that, you know, oh, what if I was saving 70 to 80%? And then you get there and you're like, this is so not worth it. Why did I want to do this? And then you step it back down and it kind of eliminates all of those like hypotheticals like, oh, what would our finances look if I was able to do this? And Well, you know what they would look like, but you know it's not worth it either. That's a really good point. I think, yeah, because I think there's a lot of like warning. I'll link to a few in the show notes. There's like a lot of articles that are like, fire sucks and here's why and you're going to feel miserable. But you're right, like you never know until you try it. I know in my experience, I spent more than I really needed to, to have a good, comfortable standard of living. I don't know. Have you found that for yourself as well? I don't know. So, <laughs> it, well, it's tricky because I come from basically a very comfortable lower upper middle class. Does that make sense? I don't know. Like we were on the high end of middle class growing yeah. up. Gotcha. And my perception of reality and what life looked like was very much skewed by being surrounded by classmates who lived in 5,000 square foot sprawling mansions and, you know, that had bowling alleys in their basement and they got Lexus SUVs for their 16th birthday. So my sense of how much money is good to spend is totally warped by that experience. So going into the fire community was super helpful and kind of like helping me reset those expectations on life. Like my first house that I rented was three bedrooms and about, I think, 1,500 square feet. And I looked at it and went, oh, it'll do for now. It's a good starter home until I can get something bigger and something better. And then like three months into it, I was like, what the heck am I doing with all of this space? Like, it doesn't make any sense for me to pay so much money to have so much space when I'm one person and I can only live in one room at a time. And so I got a roommate and started cutting my costs and, and really started diving deep into the fire movement at that point. So I think it's really helpful to kind of do a hard reset on your expectations and dive all in on something and kind of completely like shake up the way that you look at the world. Do you feel like reading all those fire blogs and maybe even meeting the people behind them was a helpful in terms of like accountability and motivation? For me, I think the most helpful thing that I did for accountability and motivation was to start my own blog. That was really great for me because it was like, well, I really want to go out to eat right now, but can I justify having higher food costs again this month? Like for a single person who didn't have anybody else to keep her accountable, like that was the kind of accountability that I needed at that point. But becoming such an entrenched member of the community, I mean, basically uh, everybody that I talk to now is part of the fire movement and I have very few like real life friends left or have made very few real life friends now that I'm here in the DC area has been really helpful because people just kind of un inherently understand why I'm doing something. I'm like, oh, you know, let's just let's just hang out at home and have a movie night and have a couple of drinks. We'll go to the store and get some stuff. And it's like, yeah, cool. Like I understand why that why you do that. 
as opposed to, you know, somebody else not in the fire community who's like, but you have all this money. Why aren't you spending it? Like, let's go, let's go spend it. You have it. You know, it's a good way to just kind of be on the same page from the beginning. That makes total sense. So now that you're finding more balance, you're living in a larger place, like what, like in in your job, because you're saying you don't plan on quitting anytime soon, but maybe you're looking for a better position. Like, what do you feel like, what needs do you feel like your job's really helping you with or what psychological needs are being met basically through your job? That I discovered that that sense of stability is huge for me to know that no matter what I do, no matter how hard I work, no matter how many hours I work, I'm getting paid the same amount of money every two weeks. It's magic. Like, I just wake up and there's more money in my account, you know? And when I was working for myself, I would hustle my butt off and I'd get maybe 200 bucks. And it's like, is this worth it? This isn't worth it to me to work so hard for nothing. And now I work way less, but I get paid way more. It doesn't make sense to me. But that sense of security and stability that knowing that I have that money coming in, knowing that I can cover my bills in the future is just, it's a balm. It makes me sleep like a very tired toddler. <laughs> it's great. I would say like baby, but they wake up every couple hours. You know, you need that kind of like we were at the water park all day, exhausted toddler kind of sleep level. Oh, those are the best because then the parents can sleep too. So I love it. (laughs) I love that analogy. (laughs) I appreciate you sharing that. I think a lot of my guests come on and they're preaching entrepreneurship, which is great because it works for them. But it's really nice to have that perspective of like, I like that stability and I can find a job that I like even though I'm maybe working 30 to 40 hours a week at it. You know, I, I work part-time just because that's a choice, but I know people who are entrepreneurs, I can easily clock in way, way more money. And it's, it's okay to even admit like, hey, I'm working so hard for 200 bucks. Like, it's not worth it. I mean, for some people, maybe they'll push through, but for you, it wasn't worth it. So I, again, appreciate that perspective. Yeah, I think it's, it's a message that needs to be shared more in this community that it's okay if you're not going, you know, Pardon my language, but balls to the walls all the time. You know, there's something to be said for just taking a deep breath and relaxing and not doing anything for a night or two or a week or month or however long you want. Like, you don't have to work hard all the time to be successful. Agreed. I don't want to feel like I'm complaining because this is just purely my opinion. I think a lot of the, there's some great books out on the fire movement now. I'm not going to name them, but there are a few that were, I just found problematic, I guess, for lack of a better term, because it makes these assumptions that you you can spend 24-7 on optimization, right? Optimizing your health, your housing, all of those things, which is great. But for people with families, there's got to be some sort of balance. I'm not saying that as an excuse to not pursue it, to not pursue saving more, but there has to be some way where you don't have to run around all the time. I mean, I've mentioned this before where I I burned out pretty badly earlier this year because I was just go, go, go for months. And I one day I just couldn't get out of bed. And I realized like, okay, like I can't get out of bed. I need to stop what I'm doing. Yeah. Burnout is terrible. And it kind of just creeps so slowly into your life that you don't even realize it's there until all of a sudden one day you can't get out of bed. And you're like, wait, what? What happened? Yeah. That, that's pretty much, it was a very hard lesson to learn. And I don't watch that on anybody. But for me, it was like, okay, I got to slow down. And I'm wondering too, and I think a lot of people push this message and I'm wondering what your thoughts are, is that when you are pursuing FIRE or even pursuing some sort of financial independence, like think of how you can incorporate some of that lifestyle into your current life. Like have you, what do you think about that? Like how are you doing that? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I am still putting these lessons I learned in the financial independence movement into my life, even if I'm not going crazy and trying to retire at 35 anymore. Like based on everything that I've already done and will continue to do, I'm still going to be able to retire at age 50, which is still really early compared to everybody else in the US and, you know, kind of like modern Western world. So I think like, even if I don't want to retire early, it's still worth it to be mindful of my time and opportunity and skills and money and use them to the best of my ability, even if that's not, you know, saving 80% of my income. Like I'm still watching what I'm spending and trying not to go crazy. And, you know, because I'm spending so much on housing now, I kind of, you know, still have to watch what I spend because I can't just, you know, willy nilly spend anymore. But like, you know, I set challenges for myself this month. I was trying to see if I keep my food bill under $200 and I think I might succeed. But like for somebody who earns $75,000 in DC, like, do you really need to challenge yourself to food? Probably not. But given everything else in my budget, it's a good way to kind of recapture some money and, and make sure that I'm spending at the level that I need to. I like those challenges. Is this the first time you did a challenge or were there other ones before? There's been other challenges before that I have that I've done and maybe not done so well. Remember this one comment, somehow my blog got brought up on Reddit and it was a no spend November that I was trying to do. But at that time I was really unhappy in my job and I just I just wanted a video game to feel better and you know kind of lose myself and somebody was like, "Well, this no spend November failed for her because she bought a video game." And it was like, okay, yeah, that was like two years ago and I was in a not so great spot. So you know what made me really happy and feel good? A video game. And it was worth spending $60 on. <laughs> hey, I've, so, I've spent that much on a meal and it was like, you know what? I don't care about my supposed diet. I'm just, or budget, like I'm buying this $60 meal. <laughs> I've done that. So, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, take care of yourself. You, you only get one of you. And uh, it's worth it sometimes to to break your rules that you have set. Not all the time, but sometimes. Agreed. So I'm going to see if you can answer this one. If you can pick one decision that you've made financially in your short time on earth so far, what would it be? I think it would be that I kept my car expenses so low. I think that has really freed up a lot of extra money for me, both cash flow wise and being able to save. So when I was in college, I had a car. I had just paid it off like four months previous and I hit a deer and totaled my car, which is common in the Midwest. And um, I had an insurance check and some money for my bonus from the Air Force. And so I went out and I bought a nice car, but one that I could afford to write a check for. And I drove that car for the next um, seven years. I'm still driving it. So it's been seven years since I've had this car. And we're coming up on 200,000 miles. And it, it's, it's getting up there. There's, there's some problems. But I didn't go out and buy a new car like so many of my peers when I started my big girl job. You know, they're like, oh, I'm making so much money. My expenses are low. I can afford this nice car. Let me go treat myself. And so they went out and bought this car and it's like $400 a month for the next five years or whatever. And it's like, that is so much money that you're spending on just to have something on to drive. Like I was able to save all that money and now that money is working for me instead of having a depreciating asset that needs to be traded in for another car. 
That's awesome. Like one tiny decision can just make such a big impact. That's awesome. Yeah, it made a huge difference. And I, my other thing was housing because I have kept housing pretty low, but I don't know if I would suggest everybody do that because it didn't necessarily work out the best for me. <laughs> right. I guess, again, it's like to each their own. You got, you got to figure out what, how it works best for you, right? Exactly. Awesome. So Gwen, one last question is how are you living beyond the dollar? Well, I just want to, I just want to share my story and help other people with their dollars. I think that that's my answer. Awesome. Well, Gwen, where can everyone find you? You can find me at my blog, which is Fiery Millennials, which is double N and double L. Don't forget. And I'm also on Twitter at uh, Fiery Millennial with no S and Instagram with Fiery Millennials. Okay. Thanks, Gwen, for coming on Beyond the Dollar. Thanks for having me. Before I start getting into more detail about how you can feel like you retired without actually having to retire early yet, let's go over some of the lessons we can learn from my conversation with Gwen. Number one, understand that any lofty goal that you have and being fire or retiring early is a pretty lofty goal. And to chase it, it will and can come at a price. So if you're a longtime listener, you know that I went through a period of burnout a few months ago, and it really what had to do with me chasing this lofty goal. I was taking care of my son. I wanted to increase my income. I had other business goals I wanted to reach, and it, it came at a price where for almost a whole month, I, I couldn't work. I didn't, wasn't bringing in income, and it really cost me my mental and physical health. So understand that if you're ambitious enough, sure, you can do it, but really understand that there are consequences with it. Not saying that you'll burn out or not saying that you're, you're going to experience what Gwen did, but it can happen. Second thing is that Gwen still believes, and there are other people in the FIRE community, still believe that it's a good idea to go at it, to go crazy with your savings rate or to get all those side hustles. Because if you don't try, you'll never know what you're capable of. Maybe you'll find out that you hate it like Gwen did and now she's eased back a little. Or you find that, wow, maybe you should have started sooner. I can't believe, right? So give it a try because you never know, right? But on the same vein, know when it's time to pull back, all right? Third thing, it's okay to do things your own way. Like I mentioned before, Gwen realized she doesn't like side hustling. She's fine working with someone else, right? She's increased her housing expense where it's about 50% of her take-home pay now. If you realize that going intense with your savings or trying to earn a lot more money isn't something that's going to sustain you in the long run, or you have expenses that are going to be higher compared to what other people, it's fine. It's your life. It's your money. You do with it what you wish. Okay. Next is to find a way to keep yourself accountable. Gwen blogged, right? As she said, she's a single female. There wasn't anybody else around her, but find some other way. If you're going to go into this fire journey, or if you're going to try to increase your savings rate, whatever it may be, find some way to keep yourself accountable. All right. Now let's talk about today's challenge is to how to feel like you're retired without being retired. It's really simple. It feels like it's a bit hard. Something I'm still working on because I'm not fully retired yet is first have a bit of a buffer in your account. Okay. So you can call this an emergency fund. You can call this a sinkings fund, whatever you want to call it. Just have some sort of buffer where you don't feel like you're living paycheck to paycheck. Ideally, you want this to be a couple hundred dollars or more is just a really buffer between 
your daily expenses and maybe some sort of unexpected expenses that come up. Having that breathing room is really going to alleviate a lot of your stress in terms of making decisions that you feel like are going to be guided by money. So here's an example. So as a freelance writer, as my main gig, my income fluctuates. And so there are times when I take on work based on the amount of money it gives. I may not feel good about it. Maybe it's something I think is truly boring and or not well suited to my skills, but I take it anyways. And so if I feel like I have this bigger buffer in my savings account or retirement account, I'm not going to feel as desperate, I guess you can say, to take on some of this work. And that's going to make me feel a lot more in control of my situation. So that's really what that buffer is, is yes, it's great to be able to have that in case of an emergency and you don't need to get into debt for it, but it, it really helps you alleviate some of that stress and it really helps with the mindset side of things. So the second thing is to start creating a dream list, okay? Go crazy. Write everything down that you think or you really want to do when money is no longer a concern or when you're retired, whatever it may be. And you might be surprised that you're going to be wanting to do the same things you're doing right now, or you're going to lean more into existing hobbies. So fun fact about myself, I really love fermenting foods. I make 10 pounds of kimchi every month. It's, it's a bit of a weird obsession of mine, but that's one of the things on my list is when I retire or when I have enough money where I don't have to work anymore, that's one of the things I want to do more is to, to really lean into that. So think of something that you want to do now for when you want to retire. And so if it's something that you feel like it's realistic now, so for me, it's making kimchi, I'm going to try to do more of it. Find some way to incorporate that in your life and it's going to help you in your financial journey a lot easier and makes it a lot more pleasant. So I hope that helps. I would love to hear what you thought of this episode or the challenge that I set out for you today. Hit me up on Instagram at beyondthedollar or email me hello at beyondthedollar.co. All right, until next time. Thank you so much for listening in on Beyond the Dollar. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. It'll help share the mission of what we're trying to do, which is to have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Tag them on Instagram or one of my posts at Beyond the Dollar. Send them a link. Whatever you want to do to spread the mission of what we're doing here. Now, if you feel that putting money towards the things that really matter is a challenge for you, download our values-based spending guide. You'll gain clarity around what matters to you most in life, be able to name your most important values, and how to start putting money towards those things. To download the values-based spending guide, go to beyondthedollar.co slash values. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. And thanks to Donovan Durant for providing this awesome music. 